0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center Podcast. And I'm so glad that you are here. We had a great men's fellowship. Uh, You ought to come. We're not putting that out anywhere for anybody to see or hear, but it was great. And if you're a man, you should have been here, but you can come next time. Glory to God. It'll be good. Uh, We're going to begin today, again, in the book of Acts. We've been uh, sharing through the book of Acts on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and today, We're going to talk about lessons that we learn as we walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, 45 years ago this month, if I'm correct, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And it absolutely transformed my life. My life has never been the same. And you wouldn't even know, most of you wouldn't even know who I am. Probably nearly every person in this room wouldn't know who I am if I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit because I wouldn't be here. Amen? And I started preaching 43 years ago and preached for uh, eight years and then started pastoring full-time 35 years ago. And I've seen so many amazing things, really, really amazing. Praise God. Praise God. But we begin in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, "...you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be witnesses unto me," Jesus said, "...in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth." Then He told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued or clothed with power from on high. So there were about 120 disciples that were tarrying in Jerusalem It was about 10 days after Jesus spoke to them after his resurrection, right? Before he ascended into heaven. He he was seen of them for 40 days and 40 nights. And they were praying in the upper room on the feast or the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, as they were gathered together praying, it says that that, uh, the sound of a rushing mighty wind entered the room. And four tongues of fire sat on each one of them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. There were devout Jews that had gathered together for the Feast of Pentecost from every nation under heaven. And when they heard them speaking in their languages the wonderful works of God and praises to God, they said, what does this mean? And Peter got up and preached to them and said in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, he says, In the last days, saith God, he was quoting from Joel, the prophet Joel, I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will see visions or dream dreams and your young men will see visions. I'll pour out of my Spirit on your servants and, my, and your handmaidens, He goes on to say that whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That was the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But it didn't stop there. He went on to say in verse 39, this promises to you and to your children, as many as are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's to nations and generations. In Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. And when they saw the miracles that he did and heard the demons come out, they received his word with great joy and they received Jesus as their Savior. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. When the apostles at Jerusalem heard what had happened at Samaria, they sent to them Peter and John. And Peter and John, now they were already saved. They were already baptized in water. That Peter and John went there and laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 10, there was an Italian man. His name was Cornelius. He was a good man. He prayed. He gave alms. He gave to the poor. But he had a vision as he was praying, and he saw, right, a, a person. The angel of the Lord spoke to him and actually said, I want you to send over to Joppa. There's a man, Peter. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's house by the seaside. And you go and get him, and he'll tell you what you need to do. So he sent three men the next day. They went over there. Peter was praying about noon, and he saw this sheep come down from heaven. It had pork chops and bacon and ham. Hallelujah. Pork ribs, chicken. Right? The chicken was okay. Uh, Amen. It it had, uh, you know, all these things, shrimp and catfish that good Jews couldn't eat. And he he said, arise, Peter killing it. He said, no, I'm a good Jew. I've never eaten stuff like it. I've never eaten unclean. And it went into heaven, and then it came down again. And the same thing happened. Peter said, no, I'm a good Jew. I've never eaten this. I've never touched anything like this. How many of you know everything is better with bacon? (laughs) And so, uh, you know, but he just said no. And, and uh, i got to tell you a story. I have this missionary that I went to the, the Ukraine with, and I actually uh, flew into Germany, and I was in Belgium and in Luxembourg and in Germany and in Poland and Ukraine with him. And this missionary, when he ever came to America, he, would, he was, he's from Sweden. And he, he married a Chinese missionary's daughter from China, but he would never eat pork. And so I went on this mission trip with him into the Ukraine, and when we were going through Poland on the way, because we drove across Germany and then across Poland into the Ukraine, we, we, we stopped and we ate, and he ate this white steak. It was a pork filet. <laughs> this missionary that would never touch these things. Anyway... Hallelujah. We got to the Ukraine. When we got to the uh, the Ukraine, the, the, the line to go in the Ukraine of semis was like way over a mile long. And he just blasted by the line. We had a half-sized semi truck full of food, full of Christian materials, teaching materials. He blew by all of them, and he drove right into the drove right through no man's land, right into the middle of the gate and parked. And then he went out there, and he, was, he spoke like five languages, so he was, he, he was telling them in some different languages. But, but I, I was like, what are you doing? He said, God's people go to the front of the line. Amen. Amen. So once in a while, Barbara's commenting on my drive, and I say, God's people go to the front of the line. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, anyway that, uh, that may not be. My, my driving might need some sanctification. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> But but anyway, God's people go to the front of the line. Hallelujah. I always remember it. And, and so he gets out in the in the gate, you know, and we're parked there. No man's left. They're jumping out with machine guns and they're hollering at him. And he said, Humanitarian aid, humanitarian aid. And they're they're all hollering at him in some other language. And he's like, Humanitarian aid, humanitarian. Finally, they're just like, oh, just go on. And they open the gate and let us through. <laughs> Hallelujah we didn't have 10 days to be in line. Hallelujah. We had to go minister to people and preach the gospel and give out aid, praise God, to these believers. Hallelujah. But he was a great man of God supported him for years and years. He went home to see Jesus. We still support his wife, praise God. God's people go to the front of the line. But Peter said, no, 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 no. no, no, I've never done this. I'm a good Jewish person. I've, I've never eaten pork and never eaten shrimp and catfish and all the bacon, all these wonderful things. And after the third time it went up, the Lord spoke to him and said, there are three men at the gate that seek you. Rise, go with them, don't doubt anything. Cornelius, this thing was so supernatural. Uh, He got gathered, his friends and family together, had a whole group waiting. And when Peter came, he was preaching Jesus to them. And they believed on Jesus and the Holy Ghost fell on them. And they began to speak with tongues and magnify God. So, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit started in Jerusalem with Jews. It went to the Samaritans, it went to the Gentiles. And then in Acts chapter 19, Paul was preaching to the Ephesian elders of John the Baptist. And he asked them a question and said, Have you received the Holy Ghost? Since you believe, we haven't even heard of the Holy Ghost. Well, what were you baptized in? Uh, John's baptism? Well, he baptized them in the name of Jesus and laid hands on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Amen, and the church went forward in the power of God. But what are lessons that we learn as we walk with the Holy Spirit? I've been baptizing the Holy Spirit for 45 years. I've been speaking in tongues for 45 years nearly every day, if not every day. And what are some of the lessons that I've learned? One of them I can tell you is the power of God is real. I don't always know why some people receive, why other people don't receive. I don't always know God knows the answer to some of those questions, but I can tell you that the power of God is real. And when Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 20, if you want to turn there, there was a young. he was preaching in Macedonia and Greece. It says, upon the first day of the week in verse 7, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to leave the next day, and continued his speech till midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together, and there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus, Being fallen into a deep sleep as Paul was long preaching. When I started my first church, uh, I I was asking them, what kind of chairs are you going to get? They said, as long as you preach, we are getting comfortable (laughs) chairs. That was Rachel, Rachel's daddy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we got some real comfortable chairs. And uh, he fell down from the third loft. That's like this ceiling in here is 30 foot high. So he fell out of the third story to the ground. And he was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him. Just like Elisha the prophet fell on the one lady's son. And he embraced him and said, don't trouble yourselves. His life is in him. When he was therefore come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, he departed. And they brought the young man alive, and there were, they were not a little comforted. The power of God is real. I've been seeing miracles for over 40 years, unexplainable, supernatural, medically confirmed miracles. I want to tell you that God is a God of miracles. And he confirms his word with signs following. Now, Paul went on and he began to preach to the Ephesian elders and give them his farewell message. In verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church When they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in the way of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but I have showed you and taught you. I have demonstrated and proclaimed. Publicly and from house to house. I've demonstrated where I'm teaching publicly and individually from house to house. I have lived it and taught it, testifying both to Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I preach the same message to the Jews that I preach to the Gentiles. Repentance toward God and faith in Jesus And now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that would befall me there, except the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions will abide me. Do you know? Paul said, hey, I know there's trouble, but I am pursuing the plan and the purpose of God for my life. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. This is my life message, Paul said, to preach the gospel of the grace of God. I would like to agree with Paul and say this is my life message to preach the gospel of the grace of God. In fact, I received a very encouraging word from overseas where some students had been listening to my teaching and they said that they loved my teaching on the law and grace. It was so encouraging. Praise God. Thank God we are preaching the gospel of the grace of God. So the first thing is that the power of God is real. The second thing is that when you preach the grace of God, when you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the message of grace, releases the power of God. You are a candidate for the power of God because of what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the reason we receive from God is because of the Grace. Everybody say the grace of God. The reason that you're saved is because of the grace of God. The reason that people are healed is because of the grace of God. The reason that people are set free is because of the grace of God. The reason that people get peace is because of the grace of God. And the reason that people are blessed and prosper is because of the grace of God. It's not our performance. It's His grace. Verse 32, he was going on and he said, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Thank God. He said, I am giving you to God and the word of his grace. The word of his grace will build you up. The word of his grace will strengthen you. The word of his grace will help you. Amen. He says, for this purpose, it will build you up and give you an inheritance. You want to have an inheritance. You want to receive healing. You want to receive the promises of God. Rely on the grace of God. Amen. When the grace of God, when the gospel of Jesus is preached, the power of God is released. Acts 4:33 says with great great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. If you want to see the power of God released, you need to preach the gospel of the grace of God. Tell people about Jesus. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus took your sin. Jesus took your anxiety. Jesus took your sickness. Jesus took Your poverty and in change, He gave you righteousness, He gave you peace, He gave you health, and He gives you wealth. You don't like that, but you ain't reading the same Bible I'm reading. Paul says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ.'" I'm not ashamed of the message of what Jesus has already done when he died and rose again. That's the gospel. It's not what we have to do, but what he's already done. He says, "'For it is the power of God.'" The gospel, the message of grace, the good news of what he's done, releases the power of God.'" That word power is dunamis, special, wonderful, miracle, working power of God unto salvation. The word salvation is the Greek word soteria, and it includes forgiveness and healing and freedom and peace and prosperity. Some people don't like that. But if you go go study the Greek word soteria for salvation right here in Romans 1.16 in the Strong's Concordance, you'll find that I'm telling you the truth. If you'll study the Greek word for saved or saved, sozo, you'll find that it includes forgiveness and healing and freedom and peace and provision. You know why I receive it? Because I believe it. It's the power of God to salvation. The word salvation in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word Yeshua. And it includes forgiveness and healing and peace and protection and prosperity. See, some people don't believe it, therefore they don't receive it. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Everyone who believes it to the Jew first. Hallelujah, and also to a Greek. You know what? We were holding this D20 forum, and this little, you know, girl, probably 14, 15 years old, got up and she said, "Well, I'm Jewish, and I've been attacked at school because I'm Jewish." And, and you know, she asked, you know, our candidates, our conservative candidates. The others chose not to come because the meeting was being held in the church. And so she asked them, "What do you think?" And they both apologized. I, and I, I went to talk to her after the the. And I said, I want you to know that we love the Jews. Hallelujah, that God loves the Jews. And if you study the Bible, in fact, if you study the book of Romans, it's not only an Old Testament thing. You see, Romans... Is, is the revelation of righteousness. It's God's plan for righteousness for the Jews and for the Gentiles. And the Jews receive righteousness just like the Gentiles receive righteousness by faith in Jesus. And it tells you how that works in the first eight chapters and then Romans 9, 10, and 11 tell you God's plan of righteousness for Jews and Gentiles and the Jews have not been left out. In fact, Paul says it really plainly. Let's just go over here and let me give you this before I get back into Romans chapter 1. But he says this. Well, I'm looking for it. In Romans 11, verse 1, he says this I say then, has God cast away his people? He's talking about the Jews. Has God thrown him out? Is God's promises to Israel still good? Has God cast away his people? God forbid. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Has God cast away his people? God forbid. He says, for I'm also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. So I talked to this young lady and I said, I want you to know that we love the Jewish people. In fact, we have a family. Dr. Henderson's brother-in-law is in Israel. And his, his you know, he married an Israeli woman. And they are in Israel. Israel. And their daughter was in one of these places that Hamas came and attacked and they shot everybody and killed everybody in that place. But God protected Dr. Henderson's niece because she was on leave and she wasn't there. And if anybody is opposed to Israel fighting back against these terrorist attacks, you're crazy. If you come to my house and intend to kill my family, listen, I'm gonna fight back. Amen? So Lawson Purdue is pro-Israel, write it down. And Kara's Christian Center is pro-Israel, write it down. And I will never make an apology for it. And if you believe the Bible, you believe that. And the people that don't believe that just don't believe the Bible, the Old Testament, or the New Testament, period. All right, right, let's go back to Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the message of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, of the good news, for it releases the power of God to salvation, to forgiveness, to healing, to freedom, to peace and provision to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for therein in the gospel the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith according as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This question came up at a forum forum earlier this week in another place, and they asked, you know, Derek Wilburn, who's here this morning, and Amy Shandy and these other two liberal candidates, are you opposed, uh, how are you with Christian values taught, being taught in the school? And the the liberal candidates who claim to be Christians for their life both fumbled the question very badly. But Derek Wilburn answered, I, no, I, I, I am not opposed to Christian values being taught in the school. The, the one candidate said, he said, well, I, I don't even know what Christian, you've been a Christian your whole life and don't know what Christian values are. So Derek said, let me explain what they are. Their love, their peace, their acceptance, their forgiveness, their generos- generosity. So I went back after this deal, and I was going to talk. I talked a minute to the young Jewish girl, and her mama was there. And I told her, listen, I love Jews. I got Jewish friends at my gym. Some of them aren't politically where I'm at, but I love them. They love me. And she says, well, I just don't know how I am with Christian values being taught in the schools. I'm a Jew. And you know what I told her? I said, "Well, I think we call it the Judeo-Christian ethic," and I hope those words are reverberating through her brain, over and over and over and over and over and over. The Holy Spirit will use. I believe those words. See, sometimes people just don't think straight. So you got to share a little truth in the gospel. The gospel's for the Jews and the Gentiles. For in the gospel, right standing with God has been revealed from the faith of the Jew to the faith of the Gentile. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. My son Peter went to Princeton University and took a class at Princeton University. Did you know Princeton University was started as a school for ministers and attorneys? He took a class on the book of Romans, and they asked him this question. They said, is this for the Jews or for the Gentiles? I said, yes. It's God's plan of righteousness for the Jews and God's plan of righteousness for the Gentiles. And we all get it the same way. It's called faith in Jesus. Amen. But when we preach the gospel, when we preach the grace of God, when we preach the message of what Jesus has already done, that he took our sickness and our sin and our anxiety and our poverty on the cross, it releases, the gospel releases the power of God. The third thing that I have learned as I've walked with God and with the Holy Spirit is there is a divine purpose for your life. And along with the divine purpose for your life, there are divine appointments. In Acts chapter 23, let's go there and look really quickly. Notice this. Acts 23, Jesus speaks to Paul. He's been testifying to the Jews, testifying to the council. It looks like his life is going to be taken. Verse 11, Acts 23, verse 11 The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so must you bear witness of me also at Rome. There is a divine purpose for your life. And there are divine appointments. Do you know what? You need to make your divine appointments so you can fulfill your divine purpose. Now the Jews, right, the religious ones, right, were already fighting him. And he went through difficulty. And they took him and tried him, and Festus the governor tried him, and he testified to Festus, and Agrippa the king tried him above that, and you know what? He testified to Agrippa, but he appealed to Caesar, and they said, to Caesar you've appealed, to the emperor, to the emperor you must go. And number of times it didn't look like he was going to get there. But you know what? There is a divine purpose for your life and there are divine appointments. And Paul made his divine appointments to fulfill his divine purpose even though it was not without difficulty. And so I want to move over to Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27, Paul was now on a ship and he was on the way to Rome to testify before Caesar just like Jesus said he would. And when they were on the, rock, on the way, did you know what? It says in verse 7, that the ship sailed slowly many days, Acts 27 verse 7, and scarce were come over against Sindus, and the wind did not suffering them. They sailed under Crete over against Siloam, and hard passing it, they came unto a place called the Her- Fair Havens, near where was a city of Lycia. And when much time was spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was not already passed, Paul admonished them and said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the the lading, the cargo, and the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship. He was a Roman ruler that was taking these prisoners among other people and things, to Rome. He believed them more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious, comfortable to winter in, the more part advised to depart from there, if by any means they might go to Phoenix. I didn't realize this until I was reading my modern English Bible that Phoenix comes right out of the Bible. A nice place to go and winter and there to winter, which is a haven to Crete that lies towards the south and the northwest. And when the south wind blew softly in verse 13, supposing that they had obtained their purpose and loosing from there, they sailed close to Crete. Not only that, they arose against it and to swim. They got in a cyclone and the ship was caught and could not bear up in the wind. So they let it drive. And they ran it under a certain island, which is called Clotta, which we had much work to come, by the boat. And when they'd taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they would fall into the quicksands. They struck sail and they were driven. And they being exceedingly tossed and tempted the next day lightened the ship. They began to throw out the cargo. And the third day with our own hands, the tackling of the ship. Verse 20 says, And when neither the sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest I mean, they were in a bad storm. All hope that they would be saved was then taken away. After long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have listened to me. No joke. And not to gain this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there will not any man's life be lost, just the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, of whose I am, whose I serve. Who do you serve and whose are you? An angel of God stood by me and said to me, Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. You've got a divine appointment to make. There is a divine purpose for your life. And God has given to you all those who sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God. One person can believe God for a multitude. That it will be even as it was spoken to me. Howbeit, We're going to have a shipwreck. We're going to be cast on a certain island. When the 14th night was come, they were driven up and down. And Adrian at midnight, the shipmen deemed that they were close to a country. And they sounded and they could hear it, it was so far away. And then they were closer. They feared lest they would fallen on the rocks. And they threw four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship. Paul told them, listen, if you get in that boat, your lives are going to be lost. When they threw the lifeboat out, so they just cut it off and let it go. Paul Paul said, except they abide in the ship, they will not be saved. So they cut the ropes off and let it go. In other words, it's interesting how you get a little bit of revelation. And you keep moving forward and you get more revelation. And you keep getting moving forward, and you get more revel. That's how that's how the Holy Spirit works when you walk with them. So it says in verse twenty thirty three, while the day was coming, Paul besought them all to take food, and said, "This is the fourteenth day that you've tarried and continued fasting and taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you take some food, for this is for your health. For there will not a hair fall from the head of any one of you. Praise God." You're not going to, we're going to lose the ship. We're going to lose the tackle. <laughs> we're we're going to lose the, the cargo. But you're not going to lose a hair of your head. And when they, thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all of good cheer, and ate some food. They went in the ship, 203 score and 16 soul. 276 people. Guess what? Paul had a Captive audience. First, nobody wanted to hear what he said. Now, everybody wanted to hear what he said. When they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the weed into the sea. And when it was day, they did not know the land. They discovered a creek with a shore into which they were minded, if possible, to thrust the ship. And when they would taken up the anchors, they committed themselves to the sea, loosed the rudder and the bands, and... And hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made it toward the shore. And falling into a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck fast and it tore the back off. Just like he said. Soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them would swim out and escape. But the centurion willing to save Paul. He didn't really care about many people, but Paul. (laughs) Paul. He kept them from their purpose and commanded them that they should swim and cast themselves into the sea and to get out to land. And the rest of them, some on boards and some of broken pieces of the ship, also it came to pass, they all escaped safe to land, just like he said. Lessons we learn as we walk with the Holy Spirit. The power of God is real. The gospel releases the power of God. There's a divine purpose for your life, and with that divine purpose are some divine appointments. The next one is the devil can't stop it. How many of you know the devil is not who he used to be? You see, there is a spiritual battle. You know what? If you lived any time and got any sense, you know that that's true. And some of our grace people don't want to talk about that. Right? But you read Ephesians chapter 6, 12, and it's real. And I've read it in 20 translations, and I don't care which one you read it in. It says there is a spiritual battle. Read 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. There is a spiritual battle. But the fact is the devil is a defeated foe, and we have authority over the devil. So take your authority and don't let the devil beat you from here to there you know what we've been in some battles at this church for the last three and a half four years and we're still overcoming but we are overcoming and we are winning in the name of Jesus hallelujah sometimes you just gotta stay with it we went through a battle in the first part of August I was in sat in federal court and, and listened to four days of lies And I felt I was sleeping about three hours a night. And I got home on Thursday night and felt like I was so defeated. Felt so defeated. That night, I finally got to bed and got to sleep, slept a little bit, and got up the next morning. And Barbara said, you need to call Paul and Corey Stewart. They're members. They're in other states right now. But I called, and Corey answered the phone but there was something on the inside of me that said it. it's not over yet. It's not over. Everything looked like it was lost. Everything looked like it was done. Everything looked like it. But I called Corey, and she said, it's not over till it's over. And it was the Holy Spirit. She said, Lawson, God is saying, it's not over till it's over. And I'll tell you when it's over, but I'm telling you, it's coming our way. In fact, I had a call that I put on Friday because they said they were going to go one way and then they kind of rescinded. And I told them in no uncertain terms, if you're going to do that, you're going to have a fight on your hands. And this time it's not going to be a building company. This time it's going to be Lawson Purdue, and I'm going to win. You can't play patty cake with the devil and think you're going to win. You got to take authority. And a lot of people just lay down and play dead and think whatever will be, will be. And you're not going to get very far that way. There's times you've got to know how to stand and keep standing. You tell the devil where he's going to go. And sometimes you've got to tell some other people how they're going to go too. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, I got a call. I made a call yesterday morning early. And I said, hey. And they said, it's coming your way. Hallelujah. It's coming your way. It's coming your way. It's the working of a miracle. It's a process. It's a process, but it's coming our way in Jesus' name. And we're going to have a good end. It's already much, much better. Hallelujah. But we're going to have a good end. Hallelujah. It's not over till it's over. Amen? And the devil isn't what he used to be. And the devil can't stop you from God's purpose for your life. You know what? The religious people tried to fight Paul, and they couldn't win. And they took him to the government, and he went to the governor, and he went to the king, and now he's on his way to the emperor, and they couldn't win. And now he's in a storm. And guess what? Once in a while when you're following God, you get in a storm. Jesus told his disciples to get in the boat a couple times and they got in a storm. But Jesus came walking on the water and would have passed him by. But when they cried out, he came and he helped them through the storm. I'm telling you, the Lord that told you to get in the boat will get you to the other side. Amen. Amen. But you keep your faith in Jesus. Jesus got in that boat and said, what's wrong with you, boys? Where is your faith? Hallelujah. You don't have to have a melt now. Barbara said, Pastor Lawson, I'm so tired of hearing you talk about that thing. I said, well, I got it on the inside. And I'm going with it. <laughs> Glory to God. Let me tell you, I hate the devil and his works. Amen. Hallelujah. And I hate to lose. Some of you lose because you just give up and say, well, that just must have been the will of God. No, it wasn't In the will of God. <laughs> It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight, and it's not a game. Hallelujah. It's been a fight, Derek and Renee, but you're winning. Renee, you're winning. In the name of Jesus, you're winning. You're winning. You're winning. You're winning. You're winning. winning. And you'll overcome every attack of the devil. And you got to tell the devil sometimes, give it back. Get your hands off my property. Get your hands off my people. It's really not about you. The devil's trying to stop you from filling your God-given purpose in God's divine appointments. But you keep believing and you keep standing and you keep speaking and you keep winning. The government couldn't stop him. And the storm couldn't stop him. And then he gets to land. Guess what? He's got a captive audience. Everyone on the boat was there. When they were all escaped, chapter 28, verse 1. Then they knew that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous people showed up with no little kindness, and they kindled the fire, and they received everyone because of the presence of the rain and because of the cold. And when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, they came a snake out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said, no doubt he's a murderer. And even though he escaped the sea, this is how the world thinks. Vengeance suffers him not to live. But when he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm, they looked and he should have swollen up or fallen down dead suddenly. But afterward, they looked for a great while and saw no harm. And they changed their minds and said, he's a God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Do you know what? The devil couldn't kill him. The devil couldn't stop him. The devil couldn't take him out. It's not like he didn't have a few battles. He had more than a few if you read 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. It says in verse 7, In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island. His name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever with a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. Hallelujah. You know what? It looked like the devil was winning, but Paul said, you know, I'm going to make a revival out of this train wreck. (laughs) Amen. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and they were healed. Praise God, they just turned it around. I'm telling you, it may look like you're in a battle. It may look like you're in a fight. It may look like you're somewhere where you didn't think you was ever going to be, but turn it around. Take authority over the situation. And what the devil means for bad, you turn around for good. Look at verse 23. Paul just kept preaching. And when they had appointed a day, there came many to him to his lodging when he expounded and testified the kingdom of God and persuading concerning Jesus out of the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening, and some believed the things which were spoken and some believed not. You know what? Some people believe and some people doubt. Some people believe it and receive it, and some people do without it, but that doesn't change it. The gospel is still true. The Word of God still works. And did you, when you preach the Word, signs follow the preaching of the Word of God. So keep preaching what God says. Keep saying what God says. Keep teaching the promises of God. Te- keep teaching what, amen. And you know what? There's going to be some people get it. Amen. <laughs> Let's read verse... 20 verse 30 and 31 Paul dwelt two years in his own hired house praise God some people think Paul was a poor man well then why'd the king keep him around a while trying to get some money out of him let me tell you if the king's trying to get money out out of you you got the little money and received all that came unto him Paul had his own house received everybody that came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence and no man forbidding him. Amen. My conclusion, things we learn as we walk with the Holy Ghost. The power of God is real. The preaching of the gospel, the grace of God, releases the power of God. There is a divine purpose for your life and divine appointments. That doesn't mean you're not going to have some battles. But the devil is already a defeated foe, so take your authority and win on every realm. And last of all, signs follow the preaching of the Word, so keep telling the Word of God. Amen. I got one more chapter to talk about. It's Acts chapter 29. You say, Acts 29, that's not in my Bible. That's you, and that's me. That's everyone who will believe and receive. Amen? And as we believe and receive, we take the gospel to the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.KarisChristianCenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.